This is the Post Game Wrap-Up Show. All massive victories and devastating losses covered here. Inside OU on the Franchise Podcast Network. And what's up, everybody? Welcome to the post-game edition of the Inside OU Podcast. This is Brady Transit, and I am joined by an in-transit Mr. John Hoover. John, where are you? Tell everybody where you're at right now. Um, I think it's 24th Street in Norman. Uh, heading out of town, just got in my car, listened to about 20 minutes of the OSU weather delay against Kansas State, started uploading a video uh, <laughs> while I'm driving north to meet my son in Edmond. So yeah, it's uh, real time right here. It's, it's going to be a long day for you. For those that are curious, we're recording this at 8, and about, I don't know, 30 minutes ago, John, you te- you uh, texted me and said that you were just walking out of the press box, uh, finishing up with all your post-game duties. Uh, it As somebody that covers basketball, I, I mean, my stuff starts on Monday with Media Day. I, I'm looking forward to it because I love the job, but man, it's a long, yeah. some, like going to this as a fan, I forget how long it, it can be for you. <laughs> it's fun, man. I wouldn't have it any other way. I uh, left, the, got up about five o'clock this morning. Left the house about uh, a little before six, and uh, here we are at eight o'clock, and I'm still chugging along. Hell yeah! And you even came to the, uh, you even stopped by the tailgate and enjoyed a uh, little breakfast burrito from Rudy's uh, earlier today. That was fun. Yeah, thanks to uh, you and your family and friends for inviting me. Oh, of course. Uh, we like to have wacky go go lucky fun times there at the tailgate on uh i'll just say that it's on jenkins and brooks where everybody else tailgates but we have a good time but basically the best location there is for a tailgate oh, no, no question it's right next to um it's right next to class and so you can get out of town pretty quickly yep. um it's five seconds to the stadium walking distance it, it takes about two three minutes to walk to campus corner so i was um, it was really easy for me to get to uh, the Cohiba Lounge for the franchise post game show. I I jumped uh, on for jumped on for a segment with uh, Sam Mays, and of of course I plugged our podcast, John. So good, uh, I, I I did you proud. Um, awesome. But we're here to talk about what was a very very good performance by Oklahoma overall, but especially I mean at this point, John, we're all numb to the offense. We know they're going to score. We know they're going to get a lot of yards. It's going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty for the opponent. But this defense, and before you start talking, John, I will, I'll I'll just go ahead and put out the caveat so we don't have to say this over and over on this episode. Yes, I'm aware that Texas Tech was um, down to their second and third string quarterbacks. They started the, uh, the, I can't remember his name, the guy who transferred from Rice for two drives. Jackson Tyner. Jackson yeah. Tyner started on the first two drives. They were both three and outs. And then Texas Tech put in Jet Duffy, who uh, I believe had two more three and outs. And then Texas Tech scored on a pretty quick drive. Um, I understand that. I understand Texas Tech is uh, working in a new head coach, new system with Matt Wells to an extent. It was a little bit of a different look than what we've been accustomed to with Texas Tech over these years. Um, I understand all that, but, John, this defense is swarming to the football, and they're playing with confidence and an attitude, and this has been four games in a row now, and the competition is going to step up in terms of talent in two weeks when OU goes to the Cotton Bowl. Uh, they do have a little bit of a test with uh, less miles, Kansas. This isn't just Kansas next week, but this is four games now, John. Can we start believing that this defense is different in terms of it being significantly better than it has been in these past few seasons? 100% we can believe that because and I'll tell you exactly why. And as we're listening to this, you guys can get on, open another web browser or whatever and go to thefranchiseok.com because you're going to want to see these quotes from Lincoln Riley about being phonies. And I love, about loved him being a fraud. 
Loved him in the post game. And about uh, you know being a con man from Alex Grinch. What uh, I, I'm telling you, we're we're at week five of the college football season, and that was for my money the quote of the year when Alex Grinch said, "You either give effort at o- at the University of Oklahoma, or I'm a con man and they're a fraud." Oh, wow, hard hitting stuff. Here's what I'm talking about. Here's what I'm, this is. This was the remarkable part to me. Okay, as a former high school football player, I always wondered why, you know, because I, I don't get to play anymore. I haven't played in a long time. I haven't played in a million years. I wish I could go back in time like Robin Williams and Kurt Russell and play that one more game. I wish I could do that, but I can't. So every time I see a game where I see guys loafing, taking it easy, uh, not giving 100%, it bothers me. And so that should be the standard for every football player on every team across America. Exactly. But yet the last three, four, five years we've seen the Oklahoma defense say, eh, I'm good. Eh, I don't need to hit that dude. Eh, I don't, uh, he's, he's too far ahead of me. I'm not going to chase him down. Brady, we throw, saw three instances tonight, today, in today's game, three instances where somebody, one player, decided, mentally made a, a business decision and said, I'm going to hustle my ass off and I'm going to chase this dude down. And all three times it helped change the game. I'm sorry, Mike Stoops. You could, whatever disconnect there was between you and your team, you could not get those guys to do that. Now, you're probably still just as smart a football coach as you ever were. But when it comes to motivating guys somehow, some way to give all out effort you could not do that. Alex Grinch, he's got the secret sauce, baby. Whatever that formula is, and I asked him, and I asked uh, I asked not just Alex Grinch, but I asked Kenneth Murray, how does a coach make you, or to, to the question for Alex Grinch, how do you as a coach make these guys reach down and pull out something that they didn't know they could do? We saw it in the second quarter when DeLaren Turner Yell chased down the ball carrier, um, would you say, would you say his name was Anderson? Yes. Uh, you know, he's a fifty-eight yard run. Looks like he's going in for a sixty-yard touchdown. And what what does he do? He he gets on his horse and he chases him down, knocks him out at the two-yard line. Boom. Thompson. What happens? Me. That's my bad. Thompson. Thompson. Thank you, Row Ro, We're on Darius Thompson. I can't remember his name. Um, sir, sir, gosh darn it! What's his name, sir? Now it's bothering me. <laughs> chases him down at the two-yard line. And knocks him out of bounds, and Oklahoma ends up, their defense gets all excited and says, man, we, we stopped him from scoring, now let's keep him out of the end zone. They kept him out of the end zone, forced a field goal. In the, and then in the uh, early fourth quarter, Trey Brown is completely out of position. Trey Brown, who, who might, I'm telling you, might be the fastest guy on the team. I don't know, between him and Charleston Rambo, it's going to be a pretty he's, good race. He's pretty damn fast. Wow, what a chase down he had. Yeah, uh, it's, Jeff Duffy it's, gets out of the pocket, scrambles out of the pocket, and it looks like he's turned the corner, and he starts running, and he says, I'm going to make a first down. And he sees Trey Brown coming at him about 75 miles an hour and says, I'm going to make a business decision on third and long, and I'm going to step out of bounds. <laughs> he stepped out of bounds. They punted. Oklahoma gets the ball back. And then you saw later on in the fourth quarter, a couple drives later, you saw Neville Gallimore looks like he's got Duffy for a sack, fitted up for a body bag, basically, and Duffy steps up. He gets chipped off the block just a little bit. He has to – Neville Gallimore has to keep going, circle around. He makes a big looping because he's 300 pounds. He makes a big looping circle and is like, I guess I'm just going to keep sprinting. He keeps sprinting, keeps sprinting. He's 10 yards behind Jet Duffy. 
Jet Duffy stops to cut back, and when he does, Neville Gallimore just obliterates him. And what happens? He coughs the football up, Oklahoma football. Three plays that, to me, illustrate better than anything we've seen so far that this defense is better. By the way, it was <laughs> Sir Roderick Thompson. Is his Sir name? Roderick. Sir Roderick. Yes, thank you. S-A, yes. capital R, Sir Roderick. Um, and first of all, John, you don't got to pretty it up. Mike Stoops, I, I, I'm not I'm not an idiot, okay? Mike Stoops is a smart football coach because he's at the level where he is now. But I kind of said it on the podcast with uh, you and Rufus um, back on Monday. He didn't even give his guys a chance before the play, um, the ball was even snapped. Uh, the coaching decisions, the alignments, the lack of aggression, it all just it smelled of complete and utter cowardice. Mm-hmm. And it, it, what we're seeing now, I think, is something that I even kind of, I even kind of didn't really believe um, over these last few seasons. A lot of people would say these guys that are on this OU defense, these Kenneth Murray, uh, Trey Brown, Parnell Motley, Neville Gallimore, these guys are talented. These guys are good players. They're not as bad as they have shown. They are just not being put into a position to showcase any or all their talent at all. And I think what we're seeing now is Alex Grinch is just absolutely instilling just confidence in this defense. He he made them well aware of what they were. He didn't necessarily have to actually tattoo, what, 119 or 129 on all their bodies, like he kind of jokingly said. I don't know if he was joking. But this defense was well aware of how far they were holding this, this complete team back these last few seasons of the Rose Bowl and the Orange Bowl losses. They're now playing like a team that understands that we we don't just need to get the ball back to our offense. We can actually make an impact on this game in a positive way. And the three plays that illustrate it for me, the first play, the defensive line just, the, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it, John. It was to a point where I, pro- I was thinking uh, an unpaid intern down in Tuscaloosa is probably watching this game going, I didn't know that they could shift alignment. They shift a line right into the <laughs> damn play where the play yeah. was going, and they blew up that first uh, um, uh, run up the middle from Texas Tech on the first play of the game, and it set the tone. Um, you have that. The drive where uh, Texas Tech got down to the red zone with Jet Duffy at quarterback um, where they ultimately threw a pass on third down that was initially ruled touchdown by the one judge – by the one backfield judge that had a clear view of the fact that he didn't catch the football. He didn't catch the football, yet he still said touchdown. It eventually got overruled. But the play before that, John, uh, John Michael Terry uh, kept contained. Jet Duffy tried to get the edge. John Michael Terry just stood there and said, I'm going to let my guys come get you, but you're not going to get around the edge here. Buki, uh, I believe, is the guy who got to Jet Duffy first, gave him a big hit, uh, didn't finished the tackle, but it slowed him down to the point where two or three other Crimson Helmets were just swarming to the football. That play, to me, that doesn't happen last year. That doesn't happen the year before. That type of play does not happen. And then, of course, the the Kenneth Murray sack on, I believe, Jet Duffy's first, or it might have been his second uh, drive of the game, uh, her second series. That, that was just big in terms of getting Kenneth Murray's confidence up because he, him being the more visible vocal leader of this defense. Um, him making big plays like that, it, it trickles down. I, I truly believe that it trickles down when he's able to make a big play like that. And Jet Duffy is not a very good quarterback, but he's a very talented athlete. And being mm-hmm. able to corral a guy like that in the pocket on the first hit without him bouncing off and then maybe like another guy chases him down from behind, um, That I thought that that was big. Those three plays to me were just... 
the reason why they stuck out is I just don't think we see those three types of plays last year. Yeah, I, I don't disagree at all with what you're saying. And and I want to clarify, I want to add to what you said to clarify that this Texas Tech team uh, was easily in all the years we've watched Texas Tech football going back to beyond the Spike Dykes days, okay? I'm, not, I'm talking about Bam Morris and uh, however many old Texas Tech running backs you can name from the Southwest Conference. This is the worst. Te- this this today was the worst Texas Tech offense any of us have ever seen. Agreed. We've seen some really good Texas Tech offenses come in Norman and leave with like thirteen points, fourteen points. Right. Yeah. This team was one dimensional. They don't have any running game whatsoever. Their only dimension was passing game. And you take Alan Bowman, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Twelve, if not in the country. You take him out of the equation. That one dimension is gone. Okay, so. That kid that they started, Jackson Tyner. I, I listen. I've got a. Co- I had a college athlete. I didn't like people talking bad about my college athlete, but he plays big time college football. So I'm going to talk bad about him for a minute. He might be the worst quarterback I've ever seen on Oklahoma's f- football field since John Blake was the OU coach. I'm not exaggerating. That kid, I felt bad for him. He w- he's out of his league. He he was a 47 percent passer at Rice. Today he was a 20 percent passer. One of five yeah. completions. Yeah, and he, I don't know where the one was. Was it a, was it a hitch? Was it a screen? A swing pass? I guess, just just ridiculous. He, um, he looked completely lost well, and just out. He, he just he didn't look like he belonged. And I don't want to. I don't, don't want to throw the kid under the bus. But this is absolutely not. This is big. I mean, joke. Say what you want, joking wise about Big Twelve football, but Big Twelve football players are by far. I mean, they're they're exceptional athletes. An average Big Twelve football player is an exceptional athlete when you compare them to a regular human being like you and me, John. And mm-hmm. he just did not look like the type of athlete no. that you see in these uh, in these. Types what of I games. said, what I said to Kobe Daniels sitting next to me, I said, Matt Wells is over there telling him you need to go get bigger shoulder pads on and a mouthpiece because you're moving to tight end. There's no way that kid will ever take. St- I don't know why he. I don't know what Matt Wells would have seen in him in, pra- in practice to say, let's roll him out here and, and see how he does. I got, I listened to the press conference last week where Matt said, we're going to play both quarterbacks. I, and was, I, get that. I, I was shocked. I, I was shocked Matt, when I heard that. I was surprised, but you know, a little bit, but you know, you, you want, you know, Jet Duffy's going to be a little bit loose with the football. So you want to see what Jackson Tyner can do. I get that, but man, he rolled him out there two series in a row and the game was over. By the time Jet Duffy came on, it was 14, nothing. They had no chance. So, uh, I want to I want to couch all of what I'm saying with this was a dreadful Texas Tech offense, but I don't care who the opponent is. I don't care if it's South Dakota or Houston or UCLA or a really really bad Texas Tech team. If you see guys making that choice, making that conscious effort to say, "Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and chase this dude down," that's your progress right there. That's all you need to see from this Oklahoma defense. That plus what you said at the top, and that was. That is that they were gang tackling. They were swarming to the football, and it didn't matter if they were being blocked or not blocked, or the balls on the sideline, or the balls thrown across the middle for a completion. There were four. Sam Mays looked at me one time, and he goes, "Hoover, there were nine hats on that football on that play." I said, "I know, Sam. It was a little like a bubble screen off to the right sideline. Yeah, nine guys in on the tackle. That's what you want. That's your evidence right there that shows that this Oklahoma defense is different." And then even when Texas Tech would have their few plays of success, I believe they like in the middle of the game when after it was seventeen, I think oh you started off seventeen nothing. Texas Tech went on a pretty quick drive where they they all they were doing is basically just doing an RPO. And we'll get to this a little bit later when I talk about what at least what concerns me moving forward. Um, 
even when they had their successful plays, John, it didn't snowball. That's been another thing that's haunted this defense is uh, they'll have like a good start to the game. Like they'll be fired up. They'll be hyped up. They'll be uh, getting into the backfield. And the first drive, you're thinking, hey, maybe maybe they figured something out. Maybe it's just OU's night. Nope. One big play, and then it's just back to, like, all right, Kyler, all right, Baker, go out there and outscore everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's been something that I've been looking forward to um, as we've seen these games uh, play out. Just don't let those mistakes pile up on you. I mean, they will just because you play more and more games and you're going to make more and more mistakes because you're a human being. But just don't let them define you and don't let it add up in terms of on – in terms of just in the single game. So that was something that I enjoyed. But, I mean, yeah, this was a bad Texas Tech team. This was, ugh. I mean, I don't even know. Like, like here, here are the numbers. Um, let's see. Sir Roderick Thompson, 96 yards on, let's see, 13 carries. Uh, Texas Tech rushed the ball, let's see, 23 times, and they passed the ball 26 times. Yeah, you don't see that out of Texas Tech very much. Yeah, it, it just it and felt 50, so Thompson weird. had fifty eight on one carry, so yeah, um, it, it it felt it just felt so weird. But then again, um, I, I don't want to sit here and say that an average, I I don't know, an average Mike Leach team because an average Mike Leach team is not a top ten, fifteen team in the country. An average Mike Leach team is a, is a team that's barely ranked, yeah. um, and even a, an average Cliff Kingsbury team. The way this defense played today. I don't know if any of those average tech teams would have had much more success. They might have put more points on the board, but right. then oh, you would have just scored more. Like the and mark- I think, I think you're exactly right. And I think to to further your point, if Alan Bowman had played today, if he was healthy, if he didn't get hurt two weeks ago at Arizona, I think Oklahoma wins this game sixty three to to thirty five instead of you know fifty five to to sixteen. Yeah. I just. He, he would have made absolutely made a difference, and they would have absolutely scored more points. It, they couldn't have won this game, not the way Oklahoma played today. No, not at all. And, um, you know, we, we kind of talked about all the glowing things about the, the defense, but I will say, John, and I don't know if you caught this, but the times where Texas Tech did have success, and I believe there were just mainly two drives, RPOs, and the entire time I'm watching the defense kind of give up the edge or allowing, uh, like, Neville Gallimore and Kenneth Mann, whoever was um, in the play at the at the particular time, uh, anytime they just kind of gave up, not necessarily gave up on the play, but they they allowed the guy to just kind of run through uh, the the center of the uh, line of scrimmage untouched. The entire time that's happening, I'm just thinking, oh my god, if they don't figure this out, Sam Ellinger in Texas is going to eat them alive because um, is Sam Ellinger as quick and as twitchy as Jet Duffy? No, but Sam Ellinger is a completely better quarterback than Jet Duffy. And that's the type of offense that Texas likes to run. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Am I jumping the gun there? It, it, was it just, you know, this is a Big 12 team. They're going to have success on a drive or two. It, nothing concerning. Yeah, I, 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 um, I would agree wholeheartedly there. Um, something else that stands out to me is I don't know the number, and Alex Grinch said that he doesn't know the number, but I think Oklahoma, because of the score, they're playing complete football. They're playing what Lincoln Riley and Bob Stoops has called in the past complimentary football where the offense follows up a three and out with a touchdown yeah. uh, and widens the lead, lights up the scoreboard. The offense put up 600 yards for the fourth consecutive game. Well, they're able to, because they're blowing everybody's doors off offensively, they're outpacing the teams that they're playing. They're better than the teams that they're playing, and so they're outpacing them on the scoreboard. What that allows Alex Grinch to do 
is continue to bring in young guys, um, freshmen, redshirt freshmen, backups. And when you develop that additional, you get those additional snaps, you develop that depth, that only makes everybody better. So, yeah, two weeks from now, they're playing Texas. They're going to beat the brakes off of Kansas again next week. Those guys are all, all those backup guys that are, that are allowing the, the starters, the frontline guys, the front rotation guys to, to come over to the sideline and get a blow and get a rest before, you know, they have to go back out there. If, if they do that again uh, next week against Kansas, that's just going to be even more experience for those backups, even more rest for those starters. And, and I think that really, really, really helps when you go into the Cotton Bowl uh, because that thing's a pressure cooker. Guys get stressed out. Guys get worn out. You know, Texas is a physical team. They're going to try to wear you down in a lot of areas. Yep. If you're fresh because of your, and you know, you hate to say it, your soft on conference and your two puds that you started conference play with, I think Oklahoma, now, does it test them? No, it's not, a, it's not like a cauldron, like a fire. They're going to get tested, but they will be rested. Is it better to be tested or is it better to be rested? Yeah, it's not Red October. <laughs> no, <laughs> Fair not to at say. all. Um, n- no, like, look, it's good, it's good that we're in a place with this defense that we're really trying to nitpick and that we're really trying to be cautious because you're right. Like, the non-conference is trash. Uh, OU's first two conference opponents are pretty trash as well, although Les Miles just freaks me out. I, I'm not uh, – uh, uh, Did you know. see today's game? Yes. And I had it on my screen on my computer while I was watching OU. Not yeah, good. And, uh, not good. I talked to Sam Mace about this on the radio. Like That still freaks me out. I don't care. <laughs> I've seen Les Miles play against a uh, coach against OU far too long to just think, oh, that's a cakewalk. But anyway – Yes, everything's been trash for OU thus far, but all these all these positive things that we've talked about over and over, just um, not letting mistakes pile up, uh, swarming to the football, playing with aggression, playing aggressive, just everything that you could possibly want from a defense we've seen. And like either, you know, two weeks, two, three weeks from now, we're either going to be like, oh my God, how wrong were we? Or it's just yeah. going to be more of the same. And it's just trending in that direction, John. And um I did want to highlight a few players on on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and really quick, we'll, I guess let's just put this out there so we don't have to talk about it for 20 minutes, John. Trajan Bridges played safety. Yay! Everybody's happy, I guess. Well, he certainly made an impact, didn't he? I mean, he uh, he got his, got his name in the uh, in the box score in the official game book. There you go. Everybody's happy now. Everybody. I mean, two 15-yard penalties on – at first, it, I don't know how many plays he finished with, but two of his first four plays were 15-yarders. Brady, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I severely damaged my thumb my senior year at Ada, yeah. and uh, I had to do a bunch of rehab. I mean, it, it still gives me problems today. It was I thought they were going to have to amputate it. It was so bad. Yeah, to pull but, a uh, so, Well, yeah, no, just chop it off, Coach. I want to play. <laughs> so uh, fourth game of the year, I'm, I'm back on the field, and my first assignment was JV game. I'm a senior, and they said, Hoover, Let's see if you're ready. Let's see if your thumb holds up. Let's get you out there and play against Ardmore's JV. I had pretty much the game of my life, as you would expect from a senior who's playing against a junior varsity team. <laughs> and, and three of my highlights in my whole entire uh, high school football career was in the span of about 10 plays, I had three 15-yard personal foul penalties. That's what – That's called that's set, what tra- John, that's called setting the tone. I don't I, <laughs> 
There is no there is no need to like make fun of yourself here. That is called setting the tone. Well, I, I, I didn't want to play JV, so I was out there doing what I could to get off the field. I mean, it's like when my daughter played her last game, uh, Memphis in soccer. Memphis scored like four goals in a two minute span, and she's she's like, you know what? I want a yellow card. I want off this field or a red card. She she tried to get out of it. She Same pulled, thing I did in high school. She pulled a Russell Westbrook. She pulled a Russell Westbrook in Memphis. Do you remember that game? What uh, the year he won the MVP? In the first two minutes, like he just kind of sensed it, it's it's not our night, and he got two. Yeah, he got two. I remember te- that. He got two Absolutely. personal or two technicals, like in the first five minutes, and was gone. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, I'm just done today." <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So that's what Trajan Bridges. I thought he was trying to top John Hoover and get three personal foul penalties. Uh, he had the uh, he had the, the the egregious holding, which was so bad the kid got hurt. Uh, and then uh, and then the face mask where he like did a pulled the helmet was like a, almost a 360. That was scary looking. Uh, yeah. A little bit of uh, exorcist action there, but uh, I mean, it was hopefully, all- every, hopefully everybody's okay. All, by the way, all three of the guys that I injured in that uh, or that I hit in that Ardmore game were injured, and all three of them were quarterbacks. So <laughs> I was a defensive end. What am I going to do? Not hit the quarterback? Hell yeah, that's what you do. That's what you do. Trajan Bridges, it was almost like he was a five-star wide receiver playing safety for the first time. I don't know. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what we expected him to do, but he looked like a kid that hadn't played safety in a hell of a long time. It, this is going to be a work in progress, let's just say. Um, uh, but in terms of just some players on defense, uh, John, you're up in the press box. I don't nec- I've never been up in the press box at OU. So I don't really? know. I don't, no, I haven't, actually. We're going to uh, have to fix that next next home game. Oh, that'd be fun. I'd go up there. Um, I don't know if they let you guys have like a live feed to the game, like to the game broadcast on Fox. Um, we get, yeah, we get both. We get a uh, in-house feed from Sooner Sports, and then we also have a uh, a live feed from Fox. But the volumes are all down, and we have yeah. no idea what's being said. Yeah, okay. Well, you might have seen it on Twitter, but Joel Klatt, color him as somebody who is just a huge, huge Jaden Davis fan, and. Yeah. I, mean, I can see t- why. Today was another good example, another great performance from the freshman cornerback who I don't know how many times, John, he was on an island on the edge um, on an RPO, whether it was uh, Jet Duffy or uh, Thompson. That guy always makes tackles. He, he He's not flashy. He's not d- trying to go out there and level somebody like maybe a Buki Radley Hiles does, which you know sometimes works out. It slows the guy down, at least if he doesn't make the tackle. Jaden Davis is just like, I, I, I'm going to tackle you now. Like here, the, the play is over. Let's move on with our lives. Unless you're playing somebody that's just got like live electricity in their feet, tackling is really not that hard. Tackling is just about it is a is a, a decision to impact your body into someone else's body. I mean, when we step in an elevator or, you know, we're walking upstairs or something like that, we try to avoid running into people. It's human nature to try to avoid contact, physical, like smashing. Whoops, sorry. Didn't mean to knock you down there, boss. We try to avoid that. It's in our nature. Football is just the opposite. It has to be in your nature to create contact and initiate that collision. And so you see a lot of kids today, a lot of football players, uh, even in the NFL, who are just poor tacklers because they don't want to tackle. They don't want that content. It reminds me of Deion Sanders. In the in the uh, 80s and 90s when Deion Sanders came up, it was like, well, this guy can't tackle. He was the one guy that you pointed to when you saw, when you watched football on Sundays and you said, well, he's not going to tackle anybody. Everybody else on this field will tackle. Well, now he's, he, would be, he would fit right in because everybody at some point has an aversion to tackling. He, J- Jaden Davis says, I don't mind. I'll run up there and I'll smash into somebody and – and not just smash into him, 
I'm going to lean on him. I'm going to grab him. I'm going to grab hold of something. I'm going to pull him down. So you're right. He's a good tackler. Yeah, it's 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 just been such a breath of fresh air to see guys just for the most part. Like there have been some examples. Like we talked about Trey Brown over the last two or three episodes. So I, I don't want to trash him any more than we have already because he still played. He did good today. Yeah, he's, he still played overall pretty phenomenal football. Um, it's just been so good to see um, outside of one particular play by Patrick Fields where he took a terrible angle on Jet Duffy. He, he, oh, yeah. There, there should have been a tackle for loss, and Patrick Fields took an absolutely terrible uh, angle, and that's why we have receivers playing safety probably. But um, for the most part, the secondary is tackling very soundly. Um, they're not necessarily trying to go for the big hit, like I said. They are just trying to end the play, and that's exactly the mentality that you need to have when you've been this de- this bad on defense over these last few years. Um, outside of uh, Jaden Davis, uh, Neville Gallimore, and I, it's been said this isn't this isn't breaking news on Inside OU podcast on the Franchise Podcast Network by any means, but that dude is earning himself some friggin' money. He is blowing up everything up the middle. I, the uh, first drive, he got blatantly held, and it wasn't called. Uh, he is just saw that. He is an absolute terror up the middle, and he's 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 influencing offenses to run away from him. Uh, the middle of the field is no longer just any man's game uh, thus far with OU's competition uh, as it has been over the last few seasons. Um, that has been so great for this defense because that trickles down as well. It allows Kenneth Murray, Deshaun White, it allows those guys to better see where the ball is, better atta- and have a better angle to attack. And, it, and then it allows the secondary to not have to cover for three to four to five seconds, which in the Big 12, that's that's hard to, that's hard to do even if you're, I, I don't know, like prime Deion Sanders or prime Dur- mm-hmm. Darrell Revis. To asking a guy to cover somebody who knows where they're going to run for three or four seconds, five seconds, eh. That's not easy. Yeah, he's been uh, extremely disruptive, and I agree. Every time he takes the field, he's making a little more money. Uh, NFL scouts were up in the press box today watching a lot of Sooners um, and, a, and a few guys from Texas Tech, but I have no doubt that they're watching him. He's uh, they, were probably, he, they were probably pissed off because they're like, we were just here to take notes on offensive players. What are all these defensive yeah. players making plays for? I didn't bring enough he, paper. He might be – I, I'm trying to remember, and I'm trying not to overstate this and be a prisoner of the moment, but he might be Oklahoma's, in terms of, of the tempo that he's playing with, the, the the personal tempo, you know, his motor, so to speak, yeah, uh, and the effort and attitude that he's playing with. He might be Oklahoma's best defensive tackle since, I mean, Jordan Phillips. When? No, Jordan. I think he's. I think he's having a better year than Jordan Phillips I mean, ever did. Thus far, he's been far more consistent than Jordan Phillips ever was. Jordan Phillips got drafted because he's, he's incredibly talented, and then every other yep. game he would he would show you why he was so damn good. But it, the consistency just wasn't there. And remember, Stacy McGee was he came in with five star status and he never really lived up to it. He's been in the NFL ever since. So yeah, he's, yeah, a, just, he's a really good player, very talented. But in terms of the the results that we're seeing on the field in Norman, Oklahoma, and parts in between. Um, I think Neville Gallimore might be uh, might, might be playing on a level. I'm not going to say it. His initials are TH, but I'm not going to say it. Uh, <laughs> Dusty Dvorak played like that. I'm talking super high motor, really revved up. He's got good technique where he keeps people's, he keeps the blocker's hands off of him. The guy tries to block Neville, and, and he's using his hands. In a, in a counter motion, um, he's just been almost – it's like he's slippery. It's like he's greased himself up. It's like he's just super, super hard to block. 
on every play, he's disrupting what the offense is trying to do. Um, so, so yeah, this the the way he's playing. I'm not saying he's that good, but the way he's playing, we haven't seen that level of defensive line play, interior defensive line play, for about a decade at, at Oklahoma. It, it, Gerald McCoy, there we go. There's my guy. 2009, he was phenomenal. We haven't seen this level of uh, defensive line play since uh, Gerald McCoy. It's gonna make me cry, John. It's it's been so <laughs> it's been so long. I was I was 18 and 19 years old when Gerald McCoy last played at OU. <laughs> Yeah, I almost said Tommy Harris, but that's uh, – and listen, Gerald McCoy is a better player than Neville Gallimore. I'm not saying he's he's as good as. I'm just saying no, I, I we haven't exactly seen which, this good of a player yeah. at that position since Gerald McCoy left. Just a, a, guy, a guy that influences the opponent, a guy that you notice even when you don't even – like it, it's kind of hard. If you're a casual football fan, it's hard to understand what everybody is doing. If you've watched football for a long time, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to sit here and, and say that I'm a football genius. Clearly I'm not because I'm – I'm just doing a podcast as a fan. Um, but if you've watched football long enough, you can kind of watch certain players, certain positions with like the sides of your eyes in, your, in, in the peripheral. And Neville Gallimore is a guy who you know he's making a play. He, you know he's out there even when you're not focusing on him. And that to me, that has we haven't seen that these last few years. And um, I think Alex Grinch's uh, philosophy of, not force feeding guys to play. All right, you're playing eighty or ninety snaps because you're our best. You're our best player. That has to that has to play a role in Gallimore keeping up that motor because one of the bigger knocks on him, John, over these last few years has just been um, the talent is there and we see flashes of it, but he can't sustain it. And maybe it's injuries, maybe it's uh, just conditioning, whatever. He's never been able to just have a steady line of solid to uh, at least solid play. And it's been the case these first four games. He's a lot better at 40 or 50 snaps a game than he is at 70 or 80. Yeah. He's a lot better at 305 pounds than he is at 335. Um, there's no doubt he's making money every time he takes a football field. And, you know, Kenneth Mann came back today. He was in on some play. Uh, I, I mean, I, I noticed him out there making some plays. Um, th- that certainly helps kind of further that cause. So the defensive line uh, passed the Texas Tech test, I guess, Um I mean, nothing really, nothing really sexy like we saw against UCLA. But I mean, can we say that Texas Tech is a little bit better than UCLA? I mean, I, I don't. I would, hate, um, I would hate to see who who would win that toilet bowl. Yeah, offensively, I would actually give that advantage to to UCLA. Uh, I uh, think uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson would be a better overall quarterback than uh, what we saw to Jed Duffy today. Potential wise, I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, coaching and. Uh, motivational wise, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Um, and I guess, I mean, I mean, we, we pretty much just like covered all the defense. I mean, we can go through every little player. I mean, unless somebody just really stuck out to you, John. Uh, no, let's do offense. Let's talk about the offense. This yeah. is uh, this is 624 yards, 640 yards, whatever it was. Oh fourth my. straight game for Oklahoma to be over 600 yards offense. Listen. The numbers are great, 50, 55 points. The numbers are, are what they are. It's it's the what I was impressed with today, and I asked Lincoln Riley about this in the press conference, was do you see a growth, a continued linear progress out of Jalen Hurts? He made some really sophisticated throws today. You know, Jalen Hurts has a lot of ability, a lot of natural athletic ability, and he, he can sling the football. But I want to see if he can diagnose a defense. 
I want to see if he can make adjustments on the fly and say, I'm not going to throw it there. Instead, I'm going to nuance this throw and, and feather it into where maybe he'll have a better chance to catch it. He did that about four times today. I haven't seen that out of him really this year until today. And, and Lincoln Riley said, absolutely. He's, he's continuing to progress. He's continuing to grow as a quarterback, and he's been very impressed. Jalen Hurts was amazing today. Like, I, I really was – I was surprised how calm he looked at like 90% of the time. There was a little bit in the middle part of the game where uh, he got kind of cute in the pocket, but, I mean, that's going to happen when you have an athletic quarterback. Sometimes they're going to make the wrong decision, but if they make one wrong decision and 80 correct ones, who cares at the end of the day? But yep. uh, it, that, that deep ball he threw to Charleston Rambo, which not only was uh, Jalen Hurts standing tall in the pocket, going through his reads, letting the play develop, not only was that impressive, not only was the throw impressive because it went right into the breadbasket, Charleston Rambo caught the damn ball and got hit and still kept his feet and was able to cut up field. And then an 18-year-old true freshman in Jaden Hazelwood was yep. hauling his ass downfield, cutting blocks and getting him more yards. Like, that play was just have fun stopping this offense, anybody. Just have fun. You're right. The, the short throw to uh, C.D. Lamb where he, he laid it out there to the pylon, yeah. Uh, CD was turned around when he threw it, and he knew if he put enough air under it um, to, to get it to a spot on the field, he knew CD would be able to separate from his man just enough to be able to get, make an uncontested catch, and that's exactly what happened. He had a couple of check downs, the, uh, the one to Jeremiah Hall where Hall just busted tackles and spun out of there. and That was another you know, very grown-up kind of quarterback play. I, th- I think what we've seen out of Jalen Hurts – Mostly, I'm not. I don't want to sound like I'm coming off negative here, trying to knock him. We've seen a guy who is a is just a better athlete than everybody else. He's just a better football player than everybody else. Yeah. I think what we saw today was his growth as a quarterback. And I'm going to throw a couple of examples at you. And I know everybody's going to listen to this and go, Hoover, what what the hell are you talking about, Hoover? How can you compare him to these guys? What we've seen out of him the first three games was in the in the mold of a Cam Newton when Cam Newton was at Auburn, right? He was yeah. kind of uh, just better than everybody, bigger, stronger, faster, could throw whatever ball he wanted. And that's how he was able to beat teams, Cam Newton, in college. What we saw out of a, a handful of times out of him today, out of Jalen Hurts today, was a little bit of Tom Brady. Oh, this guy's covered? Good, I'm going to go to that guy. Oh, wait, he's covered too? Well, good, I'm going to step, I'm going to slide step, and I'm going to get out of this pressure, and then I'm going to go to my third read. So, no, I'm not comparing him to Tom Brady. I'm just using that as an example to say that's the kind of maturity, that's the kind of growth, and that's the kind of quarterbacking that we've seen today out of Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and the thing that I was looking forward to with Jalen in terms of his quarterback and passing the ball progression that you were talking about, John, was getting into Big 12 play. Now, look, I've I've also screamed for so many years how – how much I don't really like this conference and how soft the defenses are. But with that being said, um, no matter what sport it is, whether it's the NBA or the NFL, you you see examples of, uh, like, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. Not this year, though. So everybody just, I am not talking about this season. <laughs> but I, ever since Tom Brady's been playing for New England back, going back to 2001 when he came came off the bench, um, about every year the Dolphins, who are significantly worse than the Patriots, will beat the ever-living crap out of New England. Why? Yeah. It's, it's because Miami has familiarity with New England because they're in the same division. They see each other twice a year. They know, like, each team knows each other's personnel and what they want to do. 
Our Big 12 defense is great. No. But do they all know what each other wants to do? Yes. There's familiarity, and especially with Texas Tech going up against a Lincoln-Riley offense. They know exactly what type of defense to throw out there to make Jalen Hurts have to work for it. Now, do they have the talent to do anything about it? Eh, probably not. But still, it forced Jalen Hurts to show us, John. Uh, it, it forced him to show us him progressing as a passer. And those are the things, like like you just said, those are the things that I saw today. And it was a breath of fresh air because I think everybody is still kind of has that lazy tag of he's an athletic quarterback who um, can make, you know, j- he, he can throw deep because he's got a big, strong arm. Is he accurate and accurate? Accurate. Man, I sound like uh, DJ Khaled. Uh, is he <laughs> accurate enough? Uh, God, I'm, I'm killing myself. Is he accurate enough? To uh, make a pass, make the passes in a Lincoln Riley offense. I don't know. Those are all lazy. He proved today that he can make all those passes because when he had to, when he had to shove something in a tight little window, uh, particularly to Ceedee Lamb on some slants, perfect. Uh, Charleston Rambo on deep passes, perfect. It, like he he passed the test today. Yeah, Charleston Rambo, two catches for 122 yards, uh, average 60 yards a catch. You know, 61 yards a catch. That's not too bad. Um, but his boy C.D. Lamb, he only was half as good. He only averaged 30 yards a catch. Six him. catches, 183 yards for C.D. Lamb. It helps. It I, helps Jalen Hurts to, to have the guys like that on the other end of those throws. There's no doubt about it. No kidding. I, I, like C.D. Lamb's been so bad, John. I, I really think that they need to start thinking about <laughs> uh, Jeremiah Cradell going over to play receiver. I don't know if that's yeah. Similar. That's a good idea. <laughs> no, uh, CD. Do, do you remember my my three things that I wanted to see yesterday when we when we went over the pregame yeah, uh, podcast? It, yeah, and that's what I was about to say. I wanted to see more CD Lamb. I wanted to see more Trey Sermon, and I wanted to see more Kennedy Brooks. Yeah, I got most you, of that. You didn't see one bit of Calcaterra though. Not one. I'm so disappointed. You almost got a Stogner touchdown. Just <laughs> young man, young man, reach that football. I know he did at the very last second, but reach that football. It's okay. Yeah. Possession is. Probably more important when you're – it's just one yard. Oh, he's going to get that touchdown. Who cares? Um, but, you know, we talked – like you talked about wanting to see it, uh, John, and I was not worried about C.D. Lamb being quiet in this offense. I, I knew as soon as, like, the competition started to uh, ramp up, as soon as we got into conference play, oh, he's going to rely on their guys, and that's exactly what they did. Um, I, felt, I felt like they were really trying to force-feed Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks at times where it was like, okay, just uh, – Tech is, like, gearing to stop that. Do yeah. the do the other thing, pass the ball. But whenever C.D. Lamb was uh, called upon, the dude made plays. He is Julio Jones in college. It's not fair. I feel bad for all these college defenders that have to try and stop him. Uh, good luck to you all. God bless. Because C.D. Lamb had 183 yards receiving and three touchdowns. <laughs> Just and especially, um, what was it? Texas Tech scores. It's 17 to seven. Oh, you gets the ball back, and then all Jalen Hurts does is like throw a. I don't know, like a 15-yard slant, and then CD's like, bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was impressive. Um, and, th- and that was the other nuanced throw or, or really advanced, sophisticated quarterbacking play that Jalen made. He rolls out to his right, or, or, or he checks to his right. He didn't roll. He just kind of checked, and then I think he might have stepped a couple of steps. And he stops and throws back across the middle of CD who catches the ball going full speed on a crossing route, but then stops, spins, and boom, he's gone for a touchdown. It's like, um, yeah, where did that come from? You know, you, you know, Jalen has been a, a kind of a one-read guy. 
yeah. most of the early part of the season. And and maybe he's a one read guy because number one, he wants to, he he wants to establish that he can run the football. Number two, which he did again very well today, I thought. Uh, and number two, the one read is wide open. Yeah, I was like, like, you know? what, what is he supposed to do to make you happy? Just like, no, he's way too wide open. Let me try and like make a, a quote unquote <laughs> NFL throw with the nerd say on Twitter. Yep. No, but he he uh, he he made that second read today. Made that second um, decision and and the the, the kind of grown up throw. And those receivers, yeah, those receivers are special. Rambo's just getting better and better every game. Another guy who's making money right now. He is making right. himself money. Yep. The, the running game was so-so. Um, I, I'm with you. I, I hope Kennedy Brooks is okay. His He almost lost both of his knees on oh, the that, same play. Oh, that was bulls. I, I'm going to bleep this out. And that was bulls. The, the guy that did it, um, it was tweeted about, obviously, a lot. The guy that did it went on social media and said, I deeply regret this. I'm very sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, it was a bang bang thing, and I made a bad decision. Well, however, he apologized. I'm not going to try to put words in his mouth. Yeah. But he basically said, "I feel terrible for having done that to him," uh, and and I think he kind of owned up to it. Well, doesn't take doesn't take away the fact that it was a cheap shot. It wasn't accidental. There wasn't anything oopsie about that. He intended to go down to Kennedy Brooks's knees yeah. for a reason. It, it was a cheap shot. It was dirty. He can feel bad about it all he wants, but it was it was what it was, and that is it was a dirty play. Uh, Trey Sermon, what do you have? Seventy-seven yards rushing, seventy-six yards um, on um, seven carries, two touchdowns. Yeah, and, uh, he made the safety just like on that second touchdown. He made the safety uh, just say, uh, "I'm done, screw it." <laughs> Thirty-two yard run. Was that not a thing of brilliance? I mean, you talk about somebody with swivel hips. Yeah, like certain that running was backs. So impressive. Certain running backs make touchdown runs beautiful, and Trey Sermon's that type of running back because he 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 runs so effortlessly. It looks like he's not even trying. And I mean, the knock on him is that he's too slow to the line because he's way too patient. Yeah. But whenever like the the hole is there and he's able to make a cut, like it's beautiful to watch him run the football. It is, and he runs with power. Um, he, I called him Trey Salmon on that instead of Trey Sermon because he looked like a salmon going through a. <laughs> Going up, swimming upstream. Nobody could lay a lay a finger on him. He's going through the nets and through the lines, and very impressive run. There you and go. And Hurts had seventy yards rushing. Now listen, here's the thing. We made reference to this earlier in the week. I talked about it on the on my Locked On Sooners podcast. You need to download that because it's five days a week. It's a lot of fun, and it's great. Uh, thank you. It's fun, um, and I'm learning more every day. But the thing we talked about is something that we need to hit on today. Oklahoma put up 600 yards and 55 points and an average 10.2 yards per play with a new starter on the offensive line. Bray Walker steps in, plays right guard. Uh, Thompson, Tyrese, Tyrese uh, uh, Stevens, gosh darn it, help me, Brady. Yes. Tyrese Stevenson slides out from right guard and plays right tackle. Why do I always botch the offensive lineman's name? <laughs> because it's, there's like Sam 20 Mason's of them. Get mad at me because I can't remember any offensive lineman's name. There's 20 of them and they're all at least four stars. Okay, they're all That's good. Right. We get it. So so he so Stevenson slides out because why Adrian Ely was seen uh, walking around campus this week with a knee brace on. I asked uh, Lincoln Riley in the post-game press conference about that and he said, "Yes. Uh, it's week to week, so day to day, kind of a game to game deal." And I said, "So he's injured." Yes, that was his answer. So uh, we don't know how long that's going to be, but the the point being, they did all this progress today. They made all this this uh, points and yards and all that with a, a kind of a reshuffled offensive line. So pretty impressive on the whole. 
Yeah, uh, Bray Walker, I guess, got the start at right tackle. I believe. I think that's what you were tweeting out uh, earlier. Yep. I, I could not see. Like, I was sitting in the north end zone, so OU was coming. Like, they scored, yes, but um, I'm not looking at the right tackle when they're scoring a long touchdown pass or whatever. But um, yeah, Bray started at right guard, and Tyree slid out to tackle. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I, I didn't particularly notice the, the pocket be destroyed uh what where i saw like the kind of glaring difference overall and we kind of already touched on it was just the running game like the holes just weren't there and a lot of ou's uh uh success on the ground other than that trey sermon touchdown run which was kind of up the middle was on the edge and it was kind of improvised i feel like a lot of plays were designed to go through the a or the b gap and trey sermon or kennedy brooks or uh, jalen hurts had to bounce it outside and just be better athletes than what tech had to throw at him so um, that was a little eye-opening. Um, I mean, I hope Adrian. I hope Adrian Ely is okay. Um, we all know what Bob Stoops is like. Whenever um, he says on Saturday evening, "Oh yeah, so and so is fine. It, it's day to day." You know, then you can just start getting the funeral rites rate, uh, ready the following <laughs> Monday because the guy was probably dead. So hopefully Lincoln's a little bit more. Eh, it, it's fine. You know, week to week. That doesn't sound terrible, but we will see. Right, and uh, one more thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, I asked uh, Lincoln in the press conference about the week that uh, Gabe Burkich had, you know, how he responded to the challenge of going from the backup kicker to, we don't, we don't know what was said to him during the week. We don't know if he was told early on. Don't get drunk after this game. That's what Sutherland's going to be suspended or, you know, did there, we don't know if there was any kind of uh, immediate punishment or if it kind of lingered. We don't know. But Gabe Burkish came in, he made his two field goals, one at the end of the first quarter, one at going into halftime. That, you know, that's a clutch field goal. They were both short, 36 and 34 yards, I think, or 34 and 33. Yep. But they were both clutch field goals because, you know, Oklahoma, the drive, when the drive stalls at Oklahoma, if you're a kicker, you better produce some points. So right now, as of today, in a Big 12 conference game, Gabe Burkish has a better overall record than the starter, Cal Sutherland. And... Lincoln Riley said that he was going to handle it internally, that whatever discipline or punishment he was going to give to Cal Sutherland for the public intoxication arrest. Well, it ain't so internal anymore. I mean, he, he, it was what we could call at least for now a one game suspension. And the way Burkich kicked the ball right down the middle on both kicks, plus he made all his PATs, the way he kicked it, he may have Wally pipped him. You know, he may have taken his job and, and, uh, you know, who knows? Moving forward, I asked him, I said, so the place kicking position was that close in the preseason? And Lincoln Riley said, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Those guys were neck and neck, and we didn't know who it was going to be going into the season opener. So yeah, I think that's uh, that's got to be encouraging for Gabe Burkich that he might be, moving forward, he might be the kicker from here on out. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, they were chip shots, yes. But like I said, I believe on a podcast a few weeks ago, there are uh, chip shot makes, and then there are Jimmy Stevens makes, where it's yeah, an adventure. <laughs> it's an adventure, to say the least. Um, John, overall, I mean, any other final thoughts? We've been talking for an hour about an OU blowout, um, OU won 55 <laughs> to 16. I, I do have to toot my own horn. Do you remember what my uh, prediction score was? I don't remember. OU 56, Texas Tech 20. Wow, pretty good. So that is four games. Like, well, we didn't do South Dakota. That is three games <laughs> where I've been relatively close. It's like I should gamble. It's like I should gamble or something. Yeah. I think I think you said forty-eight to twenty-seven. 
I was actually just listening. Like that. I was actually just trying to listen to the pregame show before we went on, like before you texted me and said, uh, "Let's uh, go ahead and record." Because I was trying to um, trying to get all the uh, predictions, but I'll put those out on Twitter for everybody, so everybody can uh, tell me how great I am and how silly John was for thinking Texas Tech <laughs> had a pulse on offense. No, but uh, but yeah, go ahead with any uh, final thoughts, just general things, maybe something looking forward uh, this week to talking to Lincoln Riley on Monday. Well, I think, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts um, came in and talked about uh, execution. That's his buzzword for this week, by the way, I've decided. I think he comes up with a new buzzword each week. His buzzword this week was execution. Um, he talked a lot about that in the post game. Alex Grinch was extremely pre- pleased. Uh, they had the, the one turnover, but uh, on the whole, I mean, they got after him, a bunch of tackles for loss, gang tackled. They chased, you saw effort that we talked about. They chased guys down. And then offensively, Who's going to stop? Who in the Big 12 right now is going to stop these guys? Um, is it is it Iowa State, who's so sound defensively? Is it TCU, who's always, you know, reputation-wise is so sound? Is it Texas in a couple of weeks because uh, they play so physical? Um, I'm not going to say that it's not going to happen, but I'd like to see who that team is that's going to stop the, this well-oiled machine that is the Oklahoma offense. No question. And then really quick, because we kind of talked about Kennedy Brooks um, with the uh, that dirty play. Um, I, I wanted to say two, th- two things before we got out of here. One, one of the things that I've liked about this defense, um, I'm kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt on all the uh, personal foul penalties. Um, they're trying to set a tone. It's pretty clear what they're trying to do, and I'm all for that. You've, sometimes you've got to force the issue and set a tone um, and sacrifice a 15-yard play here and there. Um, after that play, John, I love that OU's defense just said that that will not fly here. Um, We're going to kill somebody now. So um, I, I didn't mind the personal foul penalties that came about on that following drive because I don't think Tech uh, scored off of their interception. So it ended up not being that big of a deal. There's that. And then who knows um, what Kennedy Brooks's health status is going to be going to Kansas or even two weeks from now um, in the Cotton Bowl. Um, I will say in his limited uh, time, John, I wouldn't be that – scared. I wouldn't be that worried if Ramondre Stevenson had to get a few more carries because he had a 28-yard touchdown rush today, looked effortless. He he he's a talent he's a talented man. Um if he if he has to get more playing time then uh I mean I don't want Kennedy Brooks to be hurt. Uh he's a phenomenal running back in his own right, but Ramondre Stevenson looks like uh he looks legit. He he's a really good player, really good running back. He's the guy that uh that uh Matt Wells mentioned secondly when he was talking about the OU running game this yeah, week. Yeah, he, d- he didn't even uh, mention Kennedy Trey Brooks. Sermon. He didn't right. mention Kennedy yeah, Brooks. So weird. Averages eleven yards a carry, and he mentioned <laughs> Ramondre Stevenson. I made the observation today that OU is going to blow so many people out this year that Ramondre Stevenson legitimately might lead the team in rushing this year. Ooh, I don't. Yeah, think... crazy. That is literally crazy because he's third string running back. <laughs> but he's going to be playing. He's going to be getting a lot of time consuming carries in the fourth quarter of games yeah and and he's good enough to bust those i just have one more thing to say before we sign off oh yes free grant calcutta uh it's coming against texas like i told you it's the austin haywood package it's coming (laughs) you can thank me later (laughs) no um hopefully kennedy brooks is okay um hopefully john gets to see grant calcutta moving forward find out on the next dragon ball z uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU post game show on the Franchise Podcast Network. Uh, John, say goodbye to everybody. See you guys. 
See you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll have Rufus, John, and myself on Monday following the uh, Lincoln Riley press conference, although that is Thunder Media Day. So I will be busy around the same time John is busy, but uh, I believe we will all be able to find a time and a place to uh, give you guys a Monday edition podcast. So look forward to that. Everybody, thank you for listening. OU beats Texas Tech 55-16. to They are 4-0 heading to Lawrence on Saturday, 11 a.m. kickoff. Let's do this. Y'all have a good one. Listen to Brady Trantham Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at Brady Does Sports. Catch all of John Hoover's work at thefranchiseok.com. Follow him on Twitter at John E. Hoover. And be sure to catch all of his radio call-ins throughout the week on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. The Sam Mays Podcast. All in. Inside OU. OKC82. And intimate with TV's Jerry can be found in all the places you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, just subscribe. You don't even have to listen.